Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Almost uh, every time I come up here to teach on a Sunday, I bring my coffee up, then I regret it, and then I put it somewhere, and then I spill it. So I don't know if you witnessed that, but I brought it up here, looked at it, and then I put it right there where I'm probably going to spill it. I'm going to move it just a little bit more. There we go. Okay. Hopefully we'll have no accidents. You can tell where my family is um, normally sitting because it looks just different than the rest of the carpet. Um, we're calling it camouflage. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all right. If you are three years old to third grade, go back there. There's signs uh, for what grade and age you are, and just follow those teachers to your classroom. Um, if you're unfamiliar, we're doing kind of some sign-in stuff now. You can sign in as a family if you'd like and have your own name tag. Uh, But most importantly for the kids going to uh, Sunday school that they would um, have name tags, you then get um, uh, a code that goes with that uh, so that you can pick them up. Um, And we're just trying to have a little bit more accountability. We love your children, not quite as much as you, but hopefully close, and um, are just praying that that we give them to the right people um, and not just uh, let them go into the world quite yet especially three years old to third grade. That, that would be a nightmare. Um, today, we're, we're going to continue talking in uh, Hebrews. Uh, I have a little funny story real quick that um, we, we do on Tuesdays at noon. We do what's called a uh, sermon, sermon prep or sermon planning. And so by Tuesdays, um, we pastors have to have our lessons ready and then, or at least as close to ready as they are by Tuesday. And then we share them with, with some people and, and then we go over those. And so a few uh, Tuesdays ago, we were talking about me speaking. And, and Seth said, yeah, well, this is what we'll be in Hebrews. And I, I jokingly said, well, I already have a sermon ready. I don't need to talk in Hebrews. And then everybody in the room didn't understand my sarcasm. Or maybe I didn't present it correctly. And so for a couple of weeks there, Seth did not think that I was um, going to be preaching out of Hebrews. And he thought I had this. I did have another sermon, but um, yeah, it was, it was confusing, but we're, we're back on pace. I, I will be talking today uh, in chapter 13, verses 7 uh, through 16. I'm pretty sure, 16. Um, and so let's, let's read those really quick, and then we'll kick things off. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the, follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good. And to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. 
All right, we're going we're gonna to have a couple more prayers today, but if you'll join me one more time in prayer, um, this one's more for me than, than you. Lord, as we um, open up your word today, may it be your word that we share and not some construed view that I have, but Lord, may we unpack these verses. Uh, may we have real life application. Um, and Lord, most importantly, if, if change is what you desire in our personal lives, may we seek that. Uh, may we seek to continue to follow your light, follow your footsteps, follow your guidance, and um, critically look at our own lives. Um, Lord, any, any anxiousness that we may have today, may you help ease that. Any walls that we have set up, may you tear them down, and may we just be ready to receive and worship you. In your holy name we pray, amen. Okay. I would like to jump right in, but first, I, uh, if you don't know, my name is Brian Gustafson. I'm the youth pastor here. Seth Runner's the, the normal preaching pastor on Sundays. When I get up here, I like to say that I'm the youth pastor, hoping that he'll give me some grace from you if I mess up or say something I'm not supposed to. Just blame Seth. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and also, as a youth pastor, at least the way that I view being a youth pastor, I really like to share about my life. I think as a pastor, we're, we're kind of, not, not in some all high and mighty way, but, but we, we should be trying to lead a flock, and, and a part of that is just letting you know what's going on in our lives. Um, and, and so I'd like to just invite you in for just a second on some, some things in my life right now that, that honestly, they have to do with the verses, but I just want to share. Um, and so, so that's what we're going to do for a second, is um, a, a few months ago, uh, you, you saw my family and I dedicate a baby and also an adult, and we adopted her a week later, and, and some things uh, happened in that relationship, and I'm not going to delve into that. It was a, a, a definitely a difficult walk we've been through in working towards recovery in a, in a ruptured relationship, um, but, but really uh, internally in our home, my wife and I personally we're kind of struggling because we feel extremely blessed to have the house that we do. And if you don't know where we're at, um, we're, we always say across the street from Nashua. I think we're still inside the city limits. I'm not sure. But we're just across the street from Nashua, and it's this, this log cabin. Um, the, the wagon wheel is on the right. We're on the left of the highway, and that's, that's where we are. Um, and and we have, it's, I think it's a little over 3,000 square feet, and we personally have um, three children, and my wife and I, and, and the house is a, a little big for us. Um, there's a big shop there as well, um, and, and so we, we feel that if God is going to, if, if it truly is a blessing, that it shouldn't stop with us. We should be able to, to spread that blessing, and so we, we were worried that we weren't getting any uh, foster placements. Um, we kind of have some strict rules as, as us as foster parents um, with uh, CPS, Child Protective Services, that we actually only take in teenagers because we don't feel there's a big call for teenagers. I'm also a youth pastor, so that makes sense. Um, and then also right now we're not um, taking any males because um, we have a young daughter. And, and so troubled teens that are male, we, we just don't want to have to put our, our family through anything that may come from that. Um, and, so, and so we kind of have a, a, a unique place there that this, this, I don't know, requirements of, of how to be a, a foster placement in our house. And so about a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, we, we got a call about a placement. And, and so we said, yes, yes, like this was our answer to prayer. We, we really set a date that by springtime, if we hadn't got any placements, we were going to try to sell our house and, 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 and get a smaller house because we, we didn't want to have the big house. We'd let somebody else have this big house. 
Um, and then four days after she got there, we got an emergency placement. And then like a day and a half after she got there, we got another emergency placement. And, um, and I just, I just want to share with you that God's plan was the same the whole time. God is not changing. But he listens to prayer and wants it to be part of his plan. It's almost like he didn't move until we started praying about it. And, and I just wanted to share that with all of you, that yes, we have a lot of women in my house right now. <laughs> oh my goodness, is there, there's, there's so many hormones. I don't even know how to explain that. Just imagine, okay? We have two teenagers ourselves, one of them being a girl, and then we brought in three more, and my wife's a girl. We have two, three dogs that are all female. We have three cats that are all female. My son and I just need to go hunting. If you, like, want to take us hunting, please let us know. Um, but I just wanted to share the, the extreme joy and, and that in your life, if you're looking for it, the answer to prayer doesn't always look the same. And yes, having this many people in the house is not considered a worldly blessing. The struggles that we go through trying to learn new people, three of them all at the same time, is not in, enjoyable by the world's standards. But, but to have relationship and for however long we have them, to just show them love and grace and forgiveness and, and, and Christ um, through just how we live as a family, we just pray. And so thank you, church family, for just, this actually wouldn't be possible without this church family because one of the rooms in our house was unfinished when we moved in. The church has, has helped bless us with that. When we took in other foster students, or foster students, foster kids, um, the church has come alongside and gotten us high chairs and all this stuff. And so I just really appreciate it as a foster parent. If you're a foster parent, and not seeing as much help as you would like from the church family, please let us know because I know that this family is supportive. So now let's jump in, okay? Now that, we, now that I've got that out, I just had to get it out and share with you because I'm so excited about it. So uh, verse seven, verse seven. And I know, I, Noah, um, I'm, I'm working with your buddy. Noah back there is, is doing the verses. And so I'm not sure how well I communicated with him what I needed today. And so I'm hoping all the slides are good. If they're not, don't blame Noah, blame Seth. And so we're going to have um, verse, verse 7 up here, and that's, we're just going to kind of go, not verse by verse, but just what I see as topic by topic through these few verses here. Um, and so verse, verse 7, if no one doesn't have it up there, let me get my book open here. All right. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So this, this first part, you can get confused um, because sometimes when it says leaders in the Bible, you think of like church leaders or anything like that. Um, this is not this is not follow Seth and I's example. <laughs> Please don't. We're we're the lead sinners. We, you, uh, hopefully, we, we set some good examples. But the, the leaders that we're talking about here are in the Old Testament that Hebrews has previously talked about. And so this is in context. This isn't just like a random verse that's thrown in there. Hey, follow your pastors too. It's saying follow your your leaders. Our leaders from the Old Testament. And uh, if if you look in um, in the, the back where we have sermon notes, I do things a little different from Seth. I did give a few blanks to fill in. Usually I don't have any blanks. But for verse 7, it says, familiarize and focus on the founding fathers of faith as an example to follow. Try to get as many Fs in there as possible. Just to try to help make it a little bit more mem memorable. Uh, favorite, familiarize and focus on the founding fathers of faith as an example to follow. I don't think the apostrophe is supposed to be there in fathers. And that, that makes it possessive and not plural. And so you can just cross that out if you'd like. If you're a grammar Nazi, please do know that I did notice 
Um, there was a couple edits to that sentence, and by the time I got in here, I just forgot to remove it. Um, but uh, the, the few that I've, uh, I'd like to point out is um, Cain and Abel, we talked about. Uh, Cain and Abel were uh, the, uh, kind of the first ones we see bringing an offering to God, and Abel brings a, a good offering and Cain doesn't. Um, and then Cain ends up killing Abel. Um, Abel brings a sacrifice that is worthy. Um, his faith showed that, that even the stuff that he was bringing, he was giving it to God and, and, and having faith in that. And, and the one thing I thought of uh, with them is, is kind of if, if we're going to relate it to us and, and sharing kind of our giving with our neighbors, um, what would that talk be like between Abel and Cain? As Cain's not bringing this great offering, but he sees Abel with his offering, and it's probably um, pretty obvious that they're, they're different do you think Abel started to kind of doubt? Did Abel like, like start to think, oh man, I didn't have to bring this much. Am I, am I giving too much to God? And was Cain just like, look at you, you know, yeah, whatever, that's so weird. I'm just giving God this thing over here. Like, what are you doing? Um, and, and so in our lives, as we're, as we're showing faith, as we're worshiping and, and thinking about you know, the, the world around us and the people around us, um, I think Abel stood up to that. And he still brought what he felt was the, the correct offering. Um, and then the next one is, is Noah. And, and Noah had his mistakes. Actually, all of, all of these founding fathers had their mistakes. But it's their examples in faith that we're following, not their mistakes, so that we can have excuse for our mistakes. It's, it's their example of faith. Um, and, and Noah, um, man, I can't imagine how crazy he looked to the perishing world. I can't imagine as he starts to build this boat which some scholars say they didn't even have boats back then. Like, like before the flood, like it was just land and, and sea, and they didn't really have it much need for boats. I, I'm not sure if that's true. That's, that's not like a, a biblical thing. But imagine like how crazy that would be if there was no boats and he starts building this boat thing, right? Um, but even if they did have boats, he's still bu bu building the biggest one ever and spending a lot of time and money and resources to do so. Imagine the rest of the world. Imagine. Don't think of the, the movies that we've seen, the shows we've seen. Like Think, think in today's world, if, if Brian Gustafson, living across the street from Nashua, starts building a boat, <laughs> and people driving into Glasgow from Wolf Point or out of Glasgow that way or you know, on their way to fishing or whatever, and they, they see this massive boat, and they're like, what is that crazy pastor doing? And maybe some people would pull in, and they'd be like, you're dumb. Like, you're, you're crazy. And I can imagine that all of the, the talk of the world was about Noah and how crazy he looked, how weird he was, and how hard it would have been for Noah to continue every day to make his own nails, to make his own planks, to make his own cages, to store up the food and, and, and do all of that. And, and his only attachment was honestly uh, in a doubting family and God. Then we get to Abraham. Abraham's a landowner. And God says, give up your land and go somewhere. And Abraham's like, cool, man, I'm going to follow you where? I'll just go. I'll tell you. It'll be all right. Kind of go. Abraham's like, oh, can I just bring my, my cousin? <laughs> like, <laughs> like can, I, can I do this? Like, you know, and, but Abraham faithfully goes. Um, and there's plenty of other examples in these, these leaders. Those are just ones I chose right now. And then Moses um, leading the Israelites across the Red Sea, and how crazy he must have felt when, with all the signs and miracles that Moses did, how many times do you think he just felt nuts? 
standing in front of a bunch of whiners and complainers that wanted to just be slaves, and, and he stands up to the Red Sea and says, wait, wait, don't give up yet. I'm going to split it with my staff. And they all went, yeah, sure you are, bud, as they turn around to try to give up, and he's just like, I'm going to have faith and look really silly, and God comes through. An example from my life is um, my wife and I uh, moved to Glasgow uh, in, in January, not this January, three years ago January, and um, so, wait, two and a half years ago January, this coming January will be three years, that, none of that's important. Anyway, in our, in our move here, before this church family, I was, I was a part of another church family. I was in uh, Solid Rock Bible Church of Great Falls, Montana, and it just happens to be where, where Breezy is from as well. Um, that's probably not an accident, a lot of Facebook messages and tagging her in links for the job, but um, it, I, I just happened to come on a, a fishing trip to Fort Peck with a guy that, that owns some land here um, but lives in Great Falls, um, and, and he brought us up here to do some fishing, and, and I just felt this, this weird, while I was here, I didn't feel called by God to come be a pastor here, I have to tell you that. I, I felt like like, honestly, the only way I could translate it to my wife was, we need to start saving money so we can buy some land up there. I want to retire there. Like, that's like the, I didn't hear, like, the voice of God saying, Brian, you will be a youth pastor in Glasgow. No, it wasn't that. It was just, like, this feeling that, like, I'd never wanted to save up for, for retirement. I still don't want to save up for, for retirement. That was the only thing I could explain was, like, God was, like, moving me to Glasgow somehow. But I went home. Okay, I, I didn't like stay here and, and do anything. And, and while I was home, I got another random text from this guy that said, hey, they're looking for a youth pastor. The backstory is, um, you were no longer looking for a youth pastor. Uh, it just uh, stayed up on the website too long and I clicked a link and I sent it out to some people um, as the final applicant was, was, was being re reviewed. Um, and then um, I don't know, with, I wasn't here on this side to know how all of that worked out. I just know on my side, I spent a, a day crying um, on Saturday, filling out a resume that I hadn't done in five years, knowing that if this gets all the way to fruition, I had to move away from my family, I had to move away from um, well, my church family, and then also my blood family that lives in Great Falls. We had just bought a house, we had just bought a truck, and we did had no plans on moving. But I was just following God, and, and through all of it, it took months it took interviews. It took coming to Glasgow. It, in, in the middle of that, we took a mission trip with, with the, the, the Great Falls Church. And, and, and through all of it, I could just keep feeling God calling me. And I have to imagine that I'm not a founding father. I'm not Abraham or Moses. And I'm, please don't like, make that comparison. But in some little way, I think that's, that's kind of how they felt on those days where God wasn't like, like, Abraham, please leave. But like the next day when you know, like him and God aren't like conversing like that, like that's I think how I felt was, was I, I think, I think you're, I think, I, I think. And every day was just I think, I, I think. And when we got here, we were just praying, God, just tell us no because we don't want to move. <laughs> and if you can imagine like some big tree with, with roots in the ground, we felt like that, like stable, ready to go, part of a church family. Sure, we had our struggles and difficulties. We have them here too. Like, um, but, but we honestly felt like, like we just didn't want to move. 
And then the rest of the story, if you want to hear it, um, is, is amazing how God was able to transplant. And we just felt like we just, there were roots already here that we just cut the tree and put them into roots that were already here. It's, it's amazing. Um, but, but that's, that, again, I like sharing about myself. And, and the, the other part is in, in Great Falls, you know what people say when you say you're moving to Glasgow? <laughs> really? <laughs> Sometimes it sounds like this. Glasgow? really? Do you know where that is? And I was like, yeah, I googled it once. <laughs> have you, have you, it's windy. It's, like, it's windy everywhere in Montana. What are you talking about? It's cold. It's cold everywhere in Montana. What are you talking about? There's no Walmart. Ah, okay, that's the big hurdle to get over. There's no Walmart. No Starbucks. Those were easy ones. Uh, Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. For God is not unjust, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that, you will, that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And so this was just a few chapters previously uh, in Hebrews uh, and then if we go to verse 8, Noah, we're going we're gonna to head to that one. And, and this one I'm going to try not to get stuck on, but this, if I had a favorite out of these, this, one, this one's it. This is my favorite verse out of our, our jumble here. Um, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't know how huge that verse is. Short, sweet, to the point. Let's read it again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It should say five ever. Like, <laughs> like forever expands um, behind us and in front of us. Five ever. Like, like, so much. Six ever. Like, a lot. A lot. If you're not getting the joke. But <laughs> forever, five ever. Okay, we got it. The definition of the immutability of God is God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Those things do not change. And I have a quote, hopefully, that, that no one was able to get um, from Walter A. Elwell. I'm, I'm attending um, Liberty University. If you don't know, I go online and I've been getting a four-year degree for the last seven and a half years. Um, and, and so uh, Walter A. Elwell is one of the founders, or the founder, I'm not exactly sure of all of the history, but he has this huge, thick book called the Dic Evangelical Dictionary. And I, I was reading on the, the unchanging or immutability of God. And this is, this is a, a, an excerpt that I wanted to share. Um, it's also in the back of your bulletin. God is unchanging in nature, desire, and purpose. Underlying each judgment of the wicked and each pardon of the repentant is his changeless purpose concerning sin and conversion. That takes a couple times reading through to really fully kind of grasp what it says. That's why I put in the bulletin. You can take it home. You can kind of meditate on, on what that's saying for... I mean, that is, that is beautiful. But it also takes a little bit of trust that as, as we start to think about an all-loving God um, and, a, and a perfectly just God, um, how he also has to be unchangeable, but how all of that works together. 
and, and in every punishment for sin and rejection of him, there's an equal unchangingness in love and forgiveness for the saved sinner. Everything around us changes. I changed my underwear this morning. I changed my socks most days. Um, I changed where I was living a few years ago. Um, I, I, I will share this. I uh, announced a few weeks ago, not announced, I told everyone, not that it's announcement worthy, I told everyone I started a diet to this morning marks um, 30 pounds exactly. Um, and so I don't, I don't, please don't applaud. Oh. Uh, wasn't looking for applaud, but, but I changed my weight. Um, um, think, things change all the time. There, there's, there's two different things about change. If you're excited about it, it's good change. Um, if you don't know why there's change, it's usually bad change. Um, that not good rationale for us to have, um, but, but change can be good and change can be bad. But when we think about God, we always think that the, uh, well, I'm, sometimes I think, let's change it to that. Sometimes I think the Old Testament God and the New Testament God are different gods. The same God, but he changed. There's a problem in that. God is either, when, when change happens, no matter what change it is, it is either going to be for the better or for the worse. Doesn't matter what our intentions in that change are, it is either going to be for the better or for the worse. And so here's the, here's the innate problem with that. If God changes for the better, that means he wasn't the best. If God changes for the worse, that means he's no longer the best the perfect, the unchanging. God does not change. Our perspective on God changes. Our thoughts on God change. Our understanding of God changes. God does not change. And so if you are confused about the Old Testament and New Testament God, get in the word and figure out how he is unchanging, loving, forgiving, accepting, and the same God he was yesterday, today, and forever. I have a few verses that we're going to go through kind of quickly. They're going to flash up here. And Noah, I just hope you keep up, bud. It's okay if you don't. Um, but, but they're all also listed on the, on the back of the bulletin down here right underneath where it says verse 8. They're all listed right there so you can look at them later if you'd like. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. He also says to the son, S-O-N, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloth, cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Matthew 5.17 through 18, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Man, when we look at the world around us, we... We see change. The, the colors in Glasgow are gorgeous, and they're going to get more gorgeous-er, but then they're going to get ugly and ugly-er, um, but then they're going to get beautiful again, and we have these seasons on purpose that God puts in time with us. God exists out of that time. He does not change. He does not grow like a tree. His hair does not get gray. It might already be gray, but if it was, it wouldn't change. <laughs> 
He doesn't lose weight. He doesn't think about you differently. He doesn't think about you less, and he can't think about you possibly more. God does not change. The circumstances in our life change. Our focus on God changes. God does not change. When we think, God, where were you? He did not move. We did. Our thoughts did. Our focus did. Our understanding did. God did not move. Do we live as though we are certain in the one unchanging thing in the universe? Do we live as though God is the same? I get excited when, when I, I'm a pastor telling you I get excited when I get in the Bible. I get excited when I get in the Bible. But Genesis 1-1, I repeat all the time. I don't have it as a verse right now, but it says in the beginning, God. It means he was already there. Science has been working for thousands of years, many generations, to try to figure out what was in the beginning. How did it all start? And their best explanation is something came from nothing just once. In all other science, that philosophy does not work. Well, nothing comes from nothing. Something comes from something, and it has to be provable over a long period of time. So if something came from nothing just once, it would definitely happen again because science, duh, and we in this room are the ones that look dumb. What, you don't believe in the Big Bang? I certainly do. When God spoke, it was probably huge. <laughs> you don't believe in evolution? I don't know how God did all of this. I have not witnessed one evolution. Have you? Well, no. But this really smart guy a few hundred years ago said he did. Okay. Everybody around me believes it. Well, okay. Maybe it works into God's plan because guess what? God uses science. And he starts doing that in Genesis 1, 1. Something came from something that is always going to be something. Sidetrack, I'm done. Verses 9 through 14 is our next clump here. Uh, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals uh, were, were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to, let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. So I wanted, in, in, the, in the bulletin on the back, you'll see this blank here. I don't have the fill-in for this blank. I have a couple examples that, um, that I have I'm going to share with you. But you, you now or later can think of, of weird doctrine that we have. And if you don't know what doctrine is, just like rules. Rules in church. Churchy, churchy Christian rules um, that, that we have. And you can, you can put those down there. You can write them down. You can maybe think of, like, this is the hard part. Think about the churchy rules that you have. And, and a few of them that come up to, to, to my mind um, are the amounts of hymns that play every Sunday morning. This, there we go. This can be an issue and a sensitive subject. I am not trying to offend anyone in this room. The amount of hymns we have on a Sunday morning is not biblical. Hymns are a different book outside the Bible. Hymns are beautiful. Hymns teach. Hymns are a way of worship, and they're awesome, and I love them. 
There's no requirement on Sunday morning to have one or three or a certain amount a month. There's, there's none of that. That's a weird rule that we have in our head in order to, to rectify something. Um, and and a, lot of, a lot of us will excuse that we want to mix generations. So we'll have some newer Christian-y stuff and we'll have some hymns. You can even make the hymns newer Christian-y if you'd like. Then that'd make us all happy. Worship is about you, not about the band. Worship is about us individually. We should be able to, not even with a song or lyrics up here, get in a mind frame to focus and lift up God. Regardless of who's off key, how the mix is, how many guitars we have, how many drums we have, what songs we choose, how long those songs are, who lifts their hand, who puts their hands down, who gets on their knees, who sits, who yells, who sings along, who's just quiet, who leaves the room. All of that... This is rules that we make up in our head. We should all stand during worship. Where do you see that in the Bible? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It is a weird rule that we have. Right? Okay. The next one that I thought of was clothes we wear. Um, I'll, I'll look at me, okay? I'm not going to look at any of you. If we look at me, you will see one or these pair of pants are a different one. I literally own two pairs of pants. I do that on purpose. I don't need more than two pairs of pants. We have some weird rule as a society that we have to change our pants every single day regardless of what happens in them. I got potty trained years ago. So I can wear the same pants multiple days in a row. Sometimes I get judged on that. I've even had people offer to buy me more clothes. I appreciate your love. As I'm losing weight now, I may accept that, but I'm okay. Sometimes you'll see me in unmatching socks and flip-flops up here. I wore a beanie once up here. None of that is in the Bible. Now, we should have respect for God. And the way that you can worship God as you come in on a Sunday morning is between you and him. Not between you and him and forcing on everybody else. Your convictions for how you show up to church are yours, and I appreciate and love them. Mine are purposeful, and I actually feel that I am teaching by not being the typical churchy pastor, hoping to make people feel more comfortable as they come here. My unmatched socks with flip-flops are on purpose, and they're comfortable. You should try it. <laughs> There's two more I want to go over. This one is quick. The rule that we have now is in order to get people to be Christian, to follow God, we have to bring them to church. This is false. This is false. We don't have to bring them to church to be Christian. They need to be in your life and follow your example to be Christian. Unfortunately, we don't like doing that, living the example day in and day out. And so it's easier to say our job as a church, and this is just a collective thing that we don't teach or talk about very often, but the collective thing as a church is that we come, we support our pastors, and their job is to then go and reach all the newcomers. Everybody that we bring here, they better preach a good sermon on Sunday. They better talk about how to share Jesus. They better have altar calls a few times a year. They better do baptisms. Let's start baptizing at home. 
Bring your friend to your house, fill up the bathtub, baptize him. Take him to the lake, and they go, man, this Jesus guy is crazy. Throw him in. <laughs> you ain't got to wait till every three months when we do one. We love to be able to, to celebrate and support and bring people in front of the church body biblically to celebrate what inwardly is going on that we can express outwardly through the form of baptism. So I am not downgrading that. I love to see new people in church, but I hope that they've been involved in your life and are following your example, and your example is to come to church. So they're just following you. And then the last one. We have to have a church building. So again, I am not criticizing this building. I do feel sometimes I get this inkling that this building becomes more of a hurdle than a help. Now, Lots of people use this building in our community for free or very little money. This is a, is a gathering place, and we use this building amazingly. Our groundskeepers are phenomenal. Uh, my wife pulled up uh, the other day to, to pick me up from here. She had the car, and, and she's like, look at that bush. That looks awesome. And I was like, I know. Like, we don't even, like, it, it is just amazing how well this is taken care of, how, how awesome it is that we all, like, come together, and, and it's kept clean, and it's, oh, it's just amazing. And so I am not specifically digging on our church family, but I have some video I would like to show. And I, I, I went to Africa. Hold on, hold on. Pause. I got to, hold on. Okay. All right. So this is okay. Leave it, leave it there. Leave it there. Don't take it down. Um, I went to Africa. I was in Ivory Coast. This is the town called Galikro, and that's where I spent most of the time that I was there. And every single night, um, I would hear sound and music, and the windows that you just saw, that's where we would sleep. And what I did one night, I was invited to the sound and music that was going on. And I just, for, for two minutes, wanted to share with you what, what happened. This is, I put this together with my cell phone this morning, and so it's not well edited. Go ahead. Now let's play it.
so, so this was, this was uh, 9.30 at night. They invited me to come to um, every single one of these, but um, they, they either happen at 4 in the morning um, underneath their mango tree outside of Jacques, the, the guy there in the blue, um, outside his house underneath the mango tree at 4 in the morning and go until it's done, or at night. And most of the time when we were there, it happened at night. Um, I don't know if that had to do with weather or, you know, because we were there or whatever. Um, but they, they, I, I waited long enough to where they weren't, whatever they were doing, they weren't doing because I was there. I wanted to have something real, and so I took an amazingly cold shower um, and, and then uh, w- walked over. And I just wanted you to see, like, like there was no lights outside. This was um, originally, this, this building was made for, for classrooms for their Bible college that they have there. And then, like, the, the poor lighting, the, the cement walls and floor, and there's no sound equipment, there's no speakers, there's no projector, there's no verses on the screen, there's no, it, it, almost, almost no order, it seemed like, that they just, until midnight, were just worshiping God. Every day, every day, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking breaking because these people just years before were sacrificing animals and now just a few years later after they cut down the the sacrificial tree donated the land to some Christian organization in the United States every single day they are meeting together and breaking bread they didn't have child care they didn't have a check-in system they all just were there together Worshiping, praying, celebrating, studying, questioning, crying. Kids sleeping on the floor, running around. They brought in food and they ate together. One rule that we have in church that I really think that we need to overcome is that church is on Sunday in a building. That is unbiblical. Yes, there is a day of Sabbath where we shouldn't do anything else but Worship and praise God. But what do we do Monday through Saturday? You can have church in your home. You don't even have to invite a bunch of people. Just you and your family worshiping, celebrating, reading, studying, crying, talking. It's heartbreaking to know how much God we could have. It's heartbreaking to know what gets in the way of God. The second thing, and I'm going to go through this pretty quick, is, is I've got three pictures just, just real quick. So picture one is a blown-out view. And so the next place we went was Liberia, but we went specifically to Monrovia. The second picture is a little closer. And then the third picture is just a touch closer, but I have some markers. Okay. And so you see the, the red marker is, is where we actually um, slept while we were there in a, in a missionary's home. No power. Uh, sketchy water. They had a generator at night, you know, to plug in the fans and stuff. But, but that's very close to where um, this church was at that we were going to, to meet with. And the, the goal of going there was to see if, if the building project was able to happen and then we're going to build them a, a, a church building. Um, this other spot is actually another missionary family that I met and ate with a couple times. But that spot way up there is where they wanted to build the church building. In a third world country with no power, most of the parishioners to their church did not have transportation. Um, There's a main, you can see the main yellow road there. Um, 
I can't think of any comparable road anywhere in America. Um, but it was a highway, uh, but it wasn't. Along that way, you would probably go through three or four police checkpoints where you'd be asked to give money or give your car or go to jail or you don't know. And then, and then after you turned off, um, it was an unmaintained dirt road uh, that, that went through potholes, uh, some dangerous area, to, to the new subdivision where people were going to be moving and probably the little bit more richer people, wealthier people. And so the, the pastor for this church is just following orders from a church back in the United States that wanted him to build a building. They liked him as a pastor. They liked what was going on in his, his church. And so they said, you need to buy land. So he bought the only available land in the area. And the problem is, is that most, the government is not our government. Even though a lot of people say our government is horrible, to find land ownership and no battles over land takes a lot of time. And so you have to pretty much get out of town. And so this, this after two years of searching, is the only land he could find close to his church near the red marker there. And so it took us with a running vehicle and people that know where they're going an hour to get there. And so by the end of our three-day visit, we said, you shouldn't start a church. He said, I agree, but I have $30,000 to, to build a church, that, that they're expecting me to build a church. And we said, well, and it wasn't like us telling him anything. He already knew this. We all came to the conclusion that what he was doing as church in the homes and Bible studies daily was way more important than leaving his church family. But you can see that we send missionaries with what our idea of church is, and this is what we get. This was a realistic plan from a church here in the United States that wanted to give him way more money than it was even needed to build this, this church. And he was going to be a way bigger building than even needed. And we had to pass probably 36 religious organizations before we got there in that hour that had trees growing out of them because the Americans left. That's the example we give while on mission. Build a building. People will come. Every single Sunday they'll be there. He said, well, I'm meeting every day of the week. And we went, that's better. Yeah, you keep doing that. We'll try to bring that lesson home. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. I'll find it in here. Okay, it's going to be up there. <laughs> the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he was used for foolish preaching to save those who believe. I have to get it down here because it's being weird up there. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, so the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. As we think about these rules, we have to think about, are we, are we getting in, in the way of God's wisest plan that might look foolish to us as philosophers and debaters? 
I'm going I'm to get to verse 15 and 16 here. That I do have marked. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And so I feel like a lot of times when I get up here, I talk about the, the old ta- tabernacle and the high priest, and I show you diagrams and all that. We, if you don't know, do some research. If you um, uh, would like to catch up real quick, the, the way of the Old Testament was without Jesus, and we were trying to earn and, and show what our way to heaven was through sacrifice. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. We no longer have to sacrifice because he sacrificed. There's the cliff note. So our new altar is the cross. Our new high priest is Jesus. Our new offering is praise and fruit. God is unchanging. So we're still in the same rules as before. It just doesn't look like the tabernacle and the high priest. Christ has already done that. So our altar is the cross. Christ was crucified on that altar and died for our sins. Now the, the, the sacrifice becomes our lives. And it would only truly be a sacrifice if that which what we were giving up was fulfilling for the unfulfilling. The problem is, is all the gods that we find now today, money and time and talents and treasures and, and, and things and jobs and Netflix and binge watching and boyfriends and girlfriends and clothes and, and just all of the weird stuff that we make gods in our life are all never, ever going to fulfill us because they are changing. They're going to find us empty. Surveys of the most wealthy people on the planet say we still feel empty. You've never, saw, never talked to someone that has spent a lot of time in the wrong places on the internet alone in a room that says, I finally, I finally done that enough. I finally sought fulfillment outside of my marriage, outside of whatever. I finally have enough. No. I finally have enough drugs. I finally have enough alcohol. I finally have enough money. I finally have enough time. I finally have enough kids. I finally have enough room. I finally have enough boats. I've finally been fishing enough. I've finally been hunting enough. I finally have the right haircut. I finally look right in the mirror. We can only seek the one thing unchanging and the only thing that will fulfill. And that is God. He is unchanging and he is all fulfilling and he will never run dry. Our sacrifice to him is praise every day. Our sacrifice is you lifting up his name while you're at work while you're at school, while you're with your friends, while you're struggling, while you're in the hospital, while you're on your deathbed, while you're struggling in your marriage, while you're arguing, while you're fighting, after your glasses break, once somebody cuts you off, our sacrifice is choosing to praise God in those moments, to follow our fathers, our founding fathers in faith of the Old Testament. And then fruit, and so this is our last verse for today, and it's Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's an amazing song. If you have Spotify, look up Fruits of the Spirit. Can't be a coconut. There is no law against these things. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Our false gods are stuck there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The second way that we offer sacrifice is to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so we can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to have the band come up as we kind of finish up here. I've said many times, and I'm blessed to be able to speak from up here, and I, 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 you husbands need to find a platform like this to shout from the mountaintops how much you love your wife. I just get lucky that I get to do it from up here. I absolutely love my wife. I'm pretty sure people in my life know that. My coworkers know that. My students know that. My friends know that. People that don't live in Glasgow know that. People that see me in the gas station know that. But imagine, imagine if I didn't tell people or live as if I loved my wife. People wouldn't know. Some people might not even think I'm married. I don't wear a ring. I got too fat. <laughs> that was a joke. I, I, I feel that, that, okay, my biggest concern for the American church today is that we worship false gods and we even worship the ones called Jesus. We think we love Jesus, but when we think of heaven, he's not there. We think we love Jesus, but when we financial plan, he's not there. We think we love Jesus, but when we're not watching Netflix, he's not there. We think we love Jesus, but when we're driving the car, he's not there. I can tell you the best example in my life is not how I share Jesus and I love him and share that with everyone else. I really, 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 really try. I do a way better job of showing how much I love my wife or my children or my boat or whatever that may be. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And so the final question for today, and it's in bold at the bottom of the bulletin, on the board, is he Lord? plead with all of you to, to Google Lord and see what you come up with. Google how do you make someone Lord and see if that reflects your life. Google's not a great place to go, but it's easy, and I'm thinking that's a small obstacle to overcome for us. But, but honestly, I think a lot of us know that Lord, at least in the terms of, of the secular world, is somebody that runs a, 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 a huge kingdom, and they have slaves, and they have servants, and they have all of this. Do we treat God as he is the ruler and unchanging God of our kingdom? Is he Lord? When the band done playing, I'm going to come up and I'll give us a, a final prayer. Lord, thank you so much for um, all of the people it takes uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning. To everyone that... that Woke up late, woke up early, car wouldn't start, car did start, family argued, family didn't argue. To everybody that, that, that made it here this morning to, to, to worship you, Lord, to lift you up, Lord, to grow closer to you, Lord, thank you. For all the volunteers that, that run our, our children's ministry, our prayer ministry, our, our worship ministry, 
our audio and visual. Lord, thank you so much for their willingness to give. Our, our ushers, our welcome team, there's, there's so many. Lord, that, that all come together to make a beautiful Sunday morning in your name so that we may lift you up. Lord, I pray that you encourage us throughout the rest of this week to get closer and closer to you. Lord, may we have your power to make you Lord. You're there, we just need to be willing. You want and desire to have a personal relationship with each person in this room. You haven't changed. You are seeking us just as much as the day we were born. You're thinking about us just as much, which is the most that anyone can think about us. And so, Lord, may we turn a few more thoughts this week towards you. May we turn a few more conversations to you. May we turn over control of some of these lowercase gods to you. Lord, may we put you on the top shelf. May we give you praise. May we give you worship. May we, may we show fruit. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a good Sunday. I really hope your team wins today.